Hello, everyone, and welcome to another new perspective, the podcast that brings you wisdoms and perspectives from all walks of life. All right, good morning, everybody. We are back here with Bob and Joe, and uh, we're going to talk about some interesting things this morning. And uh, I've had some pretty heavy things going on in my life in the last couple weeks, and uh, I think it really kind of plays along with um, perspectives of life. And you know, Bob's eighty-one, and I'm forty, so that. You know, definitely gives us two different perspectives, and um, so yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit about gratitude in a different way, and a little bit about regret, and a little bit about um, how we can look at positive and negative situations, and maybe take a negative situation that happened and turn it into a positive situation or a positive way of looking at it. So, uh, so good morning, Bob. Good morning. So I'll share a tiny little bit of story of like what's going on in my life right now, just as a, as a piece of perspective, is that my father, uh, last week on Thursday, or he fell on Wednesday, and Thursday he went into a coma, and uh, he's been in that state essentially ever since, um, coming back out a little bit. But um, so it's kind of saddening in a way, but also it's something that, we've had 32 years of bonus time because he's been sick for our, almost my entire life. So um, so we can kind of look at it as like it's a sad thing, but we also say that, you know, this is pretty much just 12th dance with death, and I think this one is pretty much ready to go. So we can't really stop anybody from their decision or their will to live. So that's a little bit of my piece, but we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how the positives of that, you know, that we got you know, 30 extra years, and, you know, we want to talk about, you know, regret and the importance of really going after what you want and really going after, like, go out, go, go like hell through this whole thing in life and just, like, right to the, right to the bitter end, you know, like, I think a lot of us, <clears throat> when we hit 40, 50 years old, we hear this, so like, oh, I'm getting old, or like, oh, this is it, or like, you know, I'm going to start to wind down, or, or you watch people that retire, and, and four years later, they're gone. You know, and I think we need to find the importance of staying active, staying um, driven, having purpose. And, uh, you know, I mean, Bob, do you want to add something to that? I mean, you're, you've been here, you know, an extra bit of time than I have. So, I mean, does that, make, does that all make sense that, you know, that's how you've been able to live your life a little bit more with purpose? And It does make sense. And, and then when I, you know, prior to us having this conversation, you had mentioned your dad, and, uh, and, you know, he's been through so many things. He had a kidney transplant, automobile accidents, and all kinds of stuff. But in the mean, on the other hand, without that kidney transplant, he wouldn't have been here for this many years. So it's been difficult for him, but on the other hand, his, his life has been extended, so there's some gratitude to that if you're able to look back at it that way. But when you sometimes when you're going through this, you can't see the the whole thing. Yeah, we we get lost on the tree, like kind of right. like you know, you can't see the trees from the forest kind of right. thing. Right. Right. You know, like we get so lost in this, like, oh my God, life's falling apart. It's so terrible. Right. You know, and I think that made it easier for my family too. Like we were trying to make decisions on what to do. You know, we've also had to look back at like, you know, man, like we had three decades of time that we weren't even really supposed to have. Yeah. You know, if you look back, you know, when they couldn't do transplants, 
you know, not yeah. even that long ago, in right. perspective of time, you know, right. he would have been like, oh, you have a kidney disease, you're going to die in, right. you know, when you're 30 years old. And he had, he had that transplant 30 years ago. That was still kind of innovative at that time, I would imagine, oh, compared yeah. to today, you know? Definitely. Definitely. And so for him to survive that. The, the thing I, I think about often is that, because we've talked about this before, is that I, I just know that I, there's something beyond me, and I can't see the whole picture, so... Um, so it's difficult for me to like see the whole picture because I don't know what it is yet. So right. sometimes my expectations are not what's supposed to happen, and, yeah. I, and I get disappointed. But it's not necessarily my solution. Yeah. Know? No, I totally get that because it's so interesting. Like through my whole process of building everything I've been working on. Right. You know, like they, they say the universe works in waves, right? That's our, that's right. The, you can't have a good without a bad. You can't have a light without a dark. And what I was finding is that each thing that happened to me had, and this is the whole like giant picture thing. Who knows like how this whole thing works? Right. But what I was finding is that as I got, as each bigger thing happened, as I moved forward in my business, something equally hard happened immediately after right either as me like accomplishing something and I'd worked on it for a few weeks and all of a sudden I was depressed for two days or something great would happen in my business and then something equally eventful like in the negative would happen and a couple weeks ago I had some of the biggest news I've ever had in my entire existence the biggest things I've, I've ever been told to me Told to me and I was ecstatic and I had all this help and like everything went amazing and then this happens right after it like literally days mm. after and I was like you know you know the one thing I always wrote in my journals is that you know like I just wanted to show my dad and I wanted my dad to be proud of me yeah. you know what I built and I wanted him to see all that so I was like but you can't leave before I finish right like that's the whole thing like I wanted to show you but the one thing I learned early in my life is intuition. And whether, whatever the, I don't know what you feel about intuition. I will let you kind of add your own piece of this, you know, when I'm done with this. But um, when I was in high school, I would get in trouble a lot because when my gut would tell me not to do something or my intuition would say, you probably shouldn't do that. And they're like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. And I'd go out and do something with my friends and I would get, a, get in trouble. And I was like, ah. So I finally got out of high school I learned very quickly after the last time of getting in trouble that, you know what, whatever this thing, thing is inside of me that tells me what to do, I'm not going to question it anymore. I'm just going to follow my path. I'm going to stay on my journey and move all, I've moved all over the world, all over the country. Um, I've been in every different job and, and thing along the way. And, and it's like, oh, it's time to go. Like, oh, I don't feel like this is what I should be doing anymore, so I'm going to leave. Now, let me interrupt you. Suppose yeah. that direction to you is what caused you to get in trouble in high school you're still going to follow that usually the signs when i was going to do something because i was listening to what my friends were saying okay was i was like i'm going to do what my what friends was, rather than what my gut was saying you probably okay. shouldn't do that okay and so it was that okay. gut feeling of saying this doesn't feel right so when i talked to kids a lot i was like if it if you're if your stomach is upset make sure it's excitement and not 
your intuition saying that this this isn't right. You shouldn't right. do this, right. Right. right? And I think that's our that's something if we learn to follow that we know goods from bads, a little bit. Okay. We still are left to our own decision to do yeah. something bad instead of something good, but I think our gut instinct tells us like something doesn't feel right about this. But I think people get that mistaken between the excitement of doing something that's hard in a successful way, in a positive way. They, like in business, they always say, like, do something every day that might make you throw up because it's that hard. Okay. Right? Because that's how you're pushing yourself. You're struggling. You're, you're, you're okay. fighting into the resistance to get bigger. Okay. Right? You don't want to be comfortable. Don't be too comfortable because that's when the resistance starts pushing back against you and you start going backwards. So I say if you don't feel the resistance anymore, you might be going backwards. And I think a lot of people get that point when they start hitting 40, 50, 60 years old where they're like, I'm going to start to dial back. I'm going to start to dial back. Right. And then you're getting too comfortable. So you're not, you're, you're not challenging your organism. You're right. not challenging your mind or your purpose or your, or your drive. Right. And then we start to lose. That's this whole thing with, um, I'm going off on a little tangent, but the whole thing with Alzheimer's dementia at an all-time rise but if you look at it, you know, we'll say 100 years ago, we depended on our elderly or elders to tell us when to do things because they already knew from when they did it, right? Like, okay. oh, the birds are flying back at this time. That means you need to plant corn within the next two weeks. That way it's, you know, okay. we depended on other people that already, that already built the wheel to, like, tell us when to do certain okay. things. But now we have Google and we have the internet. We have all this information. We don't need to ask our elders a lot of times what okay. we need to do at what time. Okay. Our elders are now, you know, oh, we're really busy, we're really busy. So we put you in a home or put you like, you go into a assisted living or whatever. And then we never see anybody again because we're too busy. And we don't need your information anymore because we can just look it up. Right. So that was the big piece of like me starting this podcast. It was like trying to preserve some oral history of like thoughts and wisdoms and morals and values and things like that that yeah. you thought were lived by years ago to where we don't value what our elders tell us anymore yeah. as much as I think we should. But that also makes them lose their purpose, their drive right to the very right. end of your life to go, I'm, I might be 90 years old, but I have information you guys don't have. So let me share it with you. Well, when you talked about when you were in high school and you got in trouble, since I'm twice your age, yeah. I didn't get in trouble. Because I knew if I got in trouble, I was going to be in more trouble at home. Yeah. So, and then there was such a respect at that time for, and an honor. I, I, I wouldn't want to disappoint my, especially my mother. Yeah. So, I mean, she... She built a conscience into us, and I think a lot of that's missing today, a conscience to where people realize right from wrong, because we've talked a little bit about this today. It seems like a lot in society today is, let me take care of me first. Right. It's a very and, me society right now. Yeah, and, and my mother was always like, you know, care for your neighbors, care for your friends. It's not just about you. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> it's a lot about community, and I think that's the biggest one of the biggest things we're missing right now. And I saw that actually on a on a post, and it was saying that seventy uh, percent <clears throat> of communication is nonverbal, yeah. right? So thirty percent yeah. of it's just words, okay. right? So like when we write, when we text somebody, 
that's just words. There's not really a lot of inflection or tone or, or love or compassion. And the words are not even complete words. They're not, yeah, they're abbreviations not abbreviations. Right. Yeah. So then you have this, um, you know, if you travel and you go to another country and you can't understand the other person's language that well, you can use hand gestures or you can use, like, facial expressions or pointing or whatever. Right. And, like, that's, that's the other 70% of communication. Right. But now we use thirty percent of it as just words, and that's our that it's predominant, predominantly our way of communicating is just words. Yeah, and I think we're losing that communication person to person to build community. Right. So that becomes the it's all about me because right. I am my own individual self, right. with my own individual phone, my own individual like way of trying to figure out life, but right. then. You know, they say, like, um, I think it was, like, an old, it was wife's sale or whatever, but it said, you know, like, it, it takes a community to build, to to bring up a child. Right. You know, because it's the, it's the others in this community right. teaching that same child other right. things, you know, to, to, right. to make it, to create a well-rounded child. Now, along with that, too, when I mentioned, you know, uh, getting in trouble and, my father, you know, he was strict, and, and we knew what the rules were, but we also had respect. Yeah. <clears throat> we always had respect for our, our parents, our neighbors, our grandparents, our godparents. And sometimes I find that respect is missing in today's society. Uh, you know, we go to a store, and, and the people are just so quick and and uh, sometimes don't have enough patience for some of the older people dealing yeah. with stuff. So I had that happen. Uh, I was working with a couple. She had Parkinson's, and she was here with him, her husband, and she didn't remember what her la- what her name was. And I was like, "What is it?" Okay, so like I didn't think anything of it. So we worked on it for a little bit, and I and I asked him. I was like, "You know, why doesn't she know what her name is?" And he was like, "Well." I usually answer for her and I was like oh okay and he goes most people in the world aren't as patient as you are because I asked her and waited for her to like think about her name to tell me her name but she goes he was like out in town like people will rush you and try to hurry you like what's what's your name what's your name tell me your name and it frustrates her and she won't be able to she doesn't say her name so she stopped saying her name well then with Parkinson's you know we there's so much of like a mental or like a cognition to, to movement breakdown right, right. that she, you know, talking and verbalizing right. words is such a intricate piece of right. movement. I don't think people realize that, like how much, you know, to sing or to, to even talk, how many muscles have to work together to create tone right. and singing and, and you know, articulate words and stuff. Right. Now, get, when we're talking about, uh, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you said you could go out the front door and get hit by an automobile, and you go out the back door, you're okay, but maybe you could go out the back door and get hit by it, you don't know which one to choose, but sometimes I think that, you know, there's a supreme being, and since I'm a musician, there's this great composition of life. Yeah. And... You're one note, and I'm one note in this melody. 
That's only one note, but that one note is so beautiful and important, but we, we don't know how it is because we don't hear the whole melody. Right. There's also a supreme being that's the conductor, yeah. and so I'm part of this melody, and so are you. So, I mean, it's interesting that, we're even, that we even met. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like, the odds of us being here on this planet alone, right. like being right. born as a human right. on this planet, right. is, like, rare. Or for us to find you to take care of us. Yeah. I mean, uh, that wasn't even close. I, I still don't know how that happened, but yeah. I guess someone gave us a referral. and so. Yeah, I mean, it was, and, and what's interesting is the person that gave you the referral, I haven't seen in, since pretty much I met you guys. Okay. Okay. I saw him one or, like once or twice, and then, yeah. you know, and then he disappeared. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned that. When you get older, when you look back, I have no regrets because my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Looking back, my our life was joyful. Like the the real major thing that was not joyful is that we lost our daughter at age thirty eight. That that was was I angry with God? No, I wasn't angry. I was confused, but I just know that I couldn't do it alone. But when we look back, I mean, we've had uh, such a wonderful family and, and all of that. My regret, maybe not taking enough chances. Because uh, I was always, like, methodical. Right. However, when I look back, we, we took some major chances. I don't give uh, ourselves enough credit for that. Because, I mean, I, I came from working out of a mill after high school and, and a milkman and then going to college five years later, sitting with kids who are five years younger than me, I mean, and moving to a different city, that was courageous. Because no one in our, I was the first one to go to college, but no one in our family ever left their family. Yeah. You know, never moved did. away, you mean? No, never moved away. It was, it was only 100 miles away, but that was a long 100 miles away. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hundred miles, you know, in, in a perspective right. of time is a whole right. different thing. So, um, so when we look back, when I look back, maybe I could have taken more chances, but some things fell in there. As we talked once before, some things fell in there that I had no no clue how it happened. And I'm oh. very thankful. Yeah, my I get I'm mind blown all the time, like yeah. probably daily sometimes, right. where I'm like, I, I I see it such such as like a math, right? Like, and we know the universe is very much math. Like the world's right. very much math, and nature right. is math, and and you and you look at all of the interviews and stuff like that they've done with like highly successful people, and every talks about math. They talk about discipline. They talk about doing the same thing meticulously every single day a certain right. way. So I see that as like partly the there's something exponential of that. That whatever we whatever we don't know or know of this being or where we come from or why we're here or anything like that. But the one thing that everybody has seen through the course of history is that those that become successful, highly successful, did it through commitment and risk and chance. Right. You know, and that's like when you're saying you, you could have maybe taken some more chances, but maybe you took the chances you were supposed to take because you right. got to where you're, where right. you're at now with little to no regret of, you know, I didn't take any chances. I just stayed in this one little area with my family and I was a milkman right. the rest of my life. Right. 
No, the other thing too is that you know I've talked about teaching because I enjoyed a lot. I used to tell my students a lot. Without discipline, there's no freedom. They say I don't understand that. You have no discipline, you have no freedom. I mean, you have to be disciplined at what you're doing, so that you can finally be free and not fall back. You know. Absolutely, and it it is a confusing way of looking at it or like saying it, but it's absolutely true. Like the more the more disciplines I created in my life, the absolute more freedom I've had. Like just mind blowing the amount of freedom I have. You know, where if you were just, if you're just all over the place, your focus is just so scattered that you feel like you're not getting anywhere and you're getting worn out because you're wasting all of your life energy. Well, on a real different extreme, two different extremes. I mean, when you think about some people that get involved in drugs because it it like alters their mind and, and they feel like they're free, now they're stuck. Yeah. Now they're stuck. You know. Now they can't. They, then they're not free because they're always going for that. And so, the discipline. I mean, as a musician, if I didn't practice, I wouldn't have accomplished what I, I accomplished. No, exactly. So, and uh, yeah, no, it's um, there's a, a phrase that I don't remember who exactly said it, but it said, um, "Bad habits are easy to create but hard to live with." Oh yeah. And good habits are hard to create, but easy to live with. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that's that discipline. It's like, right. the way I look at it is like, you know, we don't have video to really use my hand gestures, but think of like uh, intervals, right? You think of like music right. as an interval. So you have like this note, an interval, this note, right. an interval, right. this note, right? Well, discipline, that's how I shape my disciplines is that I wake up at 7 a.m. between 6.30 and 7 a.m. And I go to bed at midnight every day of the month so I don't follow days of the week at all because that's just extra intervals you have to worry about that it's how big a space do you want each note to have right so like I start at the beginning of the month and I don't I do the same thing all month long (laughs) until the end of the month and then I might take two or three days where I don't do my discipline and take a recess okay right so in between the disciplines of like say I have five things I do every single day at the same time so those are my five notes of the day. Okay. So in between that note allows me to be free to yeah. take more chances. Because my brain knows tomorrow we're going to do the same five things we did today. Okay. And then now maybe I have seven notes in my day where before yeah. I had five. Okay. But in between that interval of notes is when I fill in my risks okay. to expand for potentially more notes or to take more chances in my life and know that I always have a net of this course. Okay. Is that right? Okay. I guess because it's like it's what you re- okay. it's what repeats, okay. right? Is that I have this every single time, every day. That's my routine. Okay. And it's allowed me to get bigger and take more chances because I know that I always have those seven notes that are going to happen every single day no matter well, what. You'd have a tough time living with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Because my wife likes change, you know, and uh, I'm very disciplined, so, you know, I have to make sure there's some change in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's helped me. Like, I I had to learn the change piece because okay. I, I, got, I got myself so robotic for a while there. Right. I was like, I would start to get grumpy when my, when my routine, when my schedule was off. <laughs> 
So, yeah. but that makes you too rigid, and then you start right. to lose track of like right. the creative sides of things. Right. Because you can like, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But then I feel that we lose the creativity comes from like the unknown or like the the wobble right. or like right. the right. So yeah. freedom in there. Right. You have to cr- create some freedom in your in your uh, in your regiment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't. Well, actually, what one thing that helped me because my girlfriend's very creative. She's very okay. playful okay. And, okay. and loves. One of her favorite books is Harry Potter. Okay. Well, she got me listening to the Harry Potter on Jim Dale's reading okay. of it on Audible. Okay. And when I first started listening to it, I get headaches because my brain was trying to make sense of make logic of the right. of the book right. and it's fiction. Well, then once I got used to listening to the fiction and started appreciating the story, the creativity of the story, yeah. everything changed in business for me because I realized the importance of, you know, there's this, there's the disciplines of business, but you can't keep changing without the creativity piece of it. And so it, listening to those books and really get d- diving deeper into fiction helped me more in business than... Most of the self-help books or business books I read, you know, because I think we're too, you know, we try to lock lock everything down, or some people don't lock anything down. But I have a client that's a psychoanalyst, and she's like, uh, because I don't, when you start, I think it was, um, was Mark Twain that says, if if you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And I think that's why I don't have a lot of memories because I'm just very honest all the time and I just do what I'm supposed to do and like right, right, right. I've lived a good life. Um, but she's like, you're kind of like a happy little animal, right? I'm like the little bird that wakes up and right. jumps down and eats its worms and it goes up and flies around, does its thing for the day and it goes home and goes to sleep. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So. That, that's different. I, I, don't, I, I don't think I could live like that. I'm very disciplined, but I, ha- I have to have more freedom within my discipline yeah um, but that's me well, I think that's the creative piece though yeah because highly more creative minds want less they want discipline's important but they want more on, they want more wobble or more change right. right and I think music has a lot of that creativity necessary yeah. for it right right uh, getting back to your dad I think I talked about this once before being a musician again uh, some of the great pieces of music, especially in the classical romantic period, used a form called Sonata Allegro form. And it okay. had an exposition, present the themes, development, develop those themes, and recapitulation. So your father, you know, in the exposition, it presented his life, that was his life, and development, and he works, and all these different things. But if you pay attention, if you've paid attention to your dad in the last year or so, or even now, he might recapitulate his life for you. What he, he'll come back and say, hey, son, this is who I was, and I'm still that person. Okay. That's interesting, because I've seen that with people. I think I mentioned my father at the end of his life, straightening out my jersey. I mean, he's in oh, a yeah. coma, and he's letting me know. He didn't say verbally that I'm always a neat person. I like No, but he just did what he and I've noticed that with other people, yeah. as they get close to the end of their life, they recapitulate, and, and it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful to see. It's like, wow, yeah. that's who they really are. You know, yeah. 
he was always so peaceful. Like he always had this like he has this like demeanor about him where he was like never really complained. It was like almost like stoic. Okay. But very caring, very like loving right. person all the time. Right. But he always pretty much got like, he he did what he wanted. But he right. always took care of us as a family, like always very peaceful. Like even through all the stuff he went through. Right. When he was laying in a hospital bed and it would happen again and it would happen right. again and it happened right. again and yeah. we'd be sick or whatever and they like we spent I've spent hundreds of hours in the hospital with him. Yeah. And he never complained. Yeah. Not a word. Not a not why yeah, is this always what, happening? Why oh woe is why me, me or anything? Yeah. Like nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. He'd get frustrated, but he was just yeah. like, you know, like yeah. all right, well He's I'm probably saying inside, I'm glad it's me and not you. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be. Yeah. You know, but like that that was the one thing I when you talked about when you just said that, like that's the one thing I always noticed. Like he, he was Peaceful. Very he's still going to be peaceful at the end. He was, like end. right at the end, right right to like when I had to leave. You know, he's still alive right now, but yeah. um, with all the things hooked up and all the stuff going on and like them harassing him, like right. trying to get him going, the right. nurse is like moving him around all the time right. and stuff like that. He was just yeah. still just yeah. as peaceful as he was during all the other things that happened. Yeah. You know, my, like, mom, my mom said when he, she got in after that second truck accident. You know, they life flighted him. Like, here, yeah. you know, they got she got to the emergency yeah. room, and they're like, "Hurry up! You need to come back here right now." Yeah. And you know, here's this guy that, that barely got yeah. him out of the truck, and like, right. you know, who's, wasn't going to even survive. And she walks in. He's sitting up on the hospital bed. And he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like this whole thing just happened to me, and I'm just like, "Yeah, here's me." Yeah. Well, with my dad, because uh, my mother died of Alzheimer's, and but. Through that whole process, she was she was always calm and patient in her life, so she handled that well. My father died before her, and I'm glad he did because he would never want to see her like that. Okay. And secondly, if it happened to him, he would not have been he would been patient because he would have been upset with himself that somehow he would know that he was going through this, you know. Yeah. So he died a different way, but uh, it, that's another interesting thing that. The way it happened, my mother went the way she's was her whole life peaceful and calm. Yeah. And my father went his way, you know. Yeah. So you never right. know. You never know what's in store for you, you know. I think we're still so so much our own individual self. I mean, we like they talk about like um, there's this yogi that I listen to. His name's Sad Guru, and he this guy asked him a question. He goes, "Well, you know, because he was explaining like unity of life, and like right. you know, he really explains." I'm gonna send you one of his talks. I think you you'd be able to put it together in like how you how you see music and how he sees life and like how it all comes together. And uh, this one guy is like, well, how do you what do you what's your opinion on raising children? He goes, well, see, here's the thing. He goes, we raise cattle. We don't raise children. We nurture and we cultivate an individual that's gonna be here after you're gone. Right. Right. And like that said, um, we think we're trying to guide train. this train this person train them yeah yeah and this individual this person this human right. is going to be here after you're gone right and he talks about that he's like you need to nurture and find out who this individual really is right very early on and help them become the individual that they need to be or want to right. be right and not how you want them to be yeah. Yeah. you know and i think that's what you're like you know, that, that's that training them yeah, but yeah. that's that whole like we're all our individual note. Right. 
And if we let, let a note that brought us here say that you have to be like me because, you know, or I didn't get a, I didn't get to be part of the song that I want to be part of. So now you need to be, you need to do what I wanted to do. Right. Right. And that happens so much where, you know, the dad didn't get to be the star football player. So he pushed his son into football saying, yeah. you're going to be the star yeah. football player. Yeah. Right. And yeah. now you're not letting that person be their person. Right. They're being you all over again. Well, I wanted, we wanted our children to experience. I remember going into middle school arguing with them because they wanted them to choose a track or something. I said, I, I, want, them, I want my child to experience. Let him take this. Let him take that. Let, then at the end of high school, he can decide what he wants so she can decide. But sometimes we, we try and set kids on these tracks and, and, and they don't have a chance to see other ways of, of going, you know? Yeah. Well, you see that in university. And I'm not throwing college completely under the bus. It wasn't right. my thing. I tried. Right. Right. Um, but it's like branding, right? So, like, you have this, like, university that has, you know, a certain curriculum that they teach because it falls into their beliefs of a as a university. Right. And I'm not saying there's not a, a mix of other curriculums and other right. information that you learn at, across the board, like gen ed classes and stuff right. like that. But, you know, there's still a branding to it. You were, you're a Duke or you're a UNC or you're, right. a, you're an Ohio State or you're a, right? Now you're yeah. wearing this label, this, this brand mm -hmm. that you've now taken on. You know, and if it's done, like, I think if university is done correctly, and here's me speaking completely from the yeah. outside looking in, mm -hmm. but I also watch people have a hard time after they go to university that mm -hmm. they still don't know anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think um, Jordan Peterson really explained it the best way. He goes, you're going to university to learn how to win an argument, right, and yeah. win a debate and, under, and like, learn how to write and learn how to, like, right. be an intellect. Yeah. And I think we've just thrown, we've created it su into such a, well, you have to do that because that's what you do when you get out of high school. You go to the university. I, I don't feel that with my education, though. Maybe because I went a long time ago. I, I, I don't feel that. I do, I do remember having a philosophy course uh, with Dr. Lyons, and I love the guy. And, and I said to him at the end of the semester, I said, now that you have us confused, <laughs> how are you going to help us out? He said, well, Robert, I would rather be a, a satisfied I'd, I would rather be a dissatisfied Socrates than a satisfied pig. Huh? And that was the end of the class. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so um, I don't feel that the universities that I went to brainwashed me enough. But I do have something to say, though. I remember when I first started in college with music, and then I would write my uh, composition class, I'd write something, and... And I didn't necessarily follow the cadences that they wanted, a four to a five, or five to a one. And I ended with a three to a two. Yeah. And totally, you know, rather than ending on a tonic or, or the home note, I ended like, bang, and they pounded the crap out of me to write like right there four way. to five to one, yeah. five to one. And so, so all of a sudden, so when I left there, I think that way. <laughs> yeah. And so when I was teaching the same kind of stuff, my high school students, I kind of encouraged them to, like, give me some different stuff here. Right. You know? 
Give me, give me something that's creative yeah, or give different. Give me something. Or, what, are you, what are you thinking of, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember I also telling my students, uh, talking about discipline and, and uh, practicing and everything, and I say, practice makes perfect, right? They say, yeah. I said, no, it doesn't. Yeah. What do you mean? I said, well, perfect practice makes perfect. So you could practice this thing incorrectly the whole week, and then it comes back and it's wrong. So, so getting back to what you were saying before, like mistakes. So I would say when you practice something, practice it really slow so that you don't end up ending up fixing mistakes all the time, fixing well, mistakes. Right, because like imagine fixing a mistake that you've practiced into almost right. perfection. Right. And now you're having to like, take this thing that you've, essentially mastered working on right. and right in the middle of it is this perfect mistake that you keep practicing right the over and over again the same mistake right. Right. instead of like going oh this is a mistake right. and learning it the right way to begin with right. when i started learning juggling right. that's a perfect example of learning juggling there's a tendency to juggle when the balls go away from you this way okay and you can still juggle right but the juggling is supposed to go straight across this way okay Right, so when you're throwing balls. So, but if they start to go away from you, they said, you know, that's fine, you can still juggle that way, and right. it's still technically a juggle, but you'll never be able to pass with another person. You'll never be able to stand on a cross from somebody and juggle with somebody. Okay. If you learn it wrong. Okay. And then once you learn it wrong, it's really hard to unlearn it. Right. Because you learned it the not correct way. Right. So you won't be able to keep expanding your juggling because right. you did it differently. Right. Right. You know, so I think that's a perfect example. Of, like you can practice yeah. something so long that it's wrong. Right. You know, but that makes it that much harder because it's wired together now. Yeah. Of like this is just the way I do it. Yeah. But it's not right because now you can't play with other kids because you right. Because you you know your your physical being is so used to that movement. The same with yeah. practicing something wrong. If you're a flute player and your fingers are so used to playing it this way. And all of a sudden, it's a different finger. That's a whole. That's a whole different thing, you know. To, oh yeah. To correct. So, no, definitely. Yeah. Now, getting back to uh, risk and chances and everything, uh, Shirley MacLaine, a great actress, a senior citizen, said, "You know, senior citizens don't get comfortable. When you get comfortable, then you, then you're stagnant, and you'll probably go backwards." So. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. like. Um, yeah. We have to keep. I, I say it this way, and it's not. In a way of dehumanizing people, I think it's more of like looking at the human as the as the entire living system that it is. But we don't move our organism enough, right? It's movement in general. It's movement in life. It's it's yeah. discovery. You know, and they talk about embodied cognition. Our brain is embodied within this this spaceship, right, right. as I call it. When I teach, when I work with kids a lot, I was like, your the your body is your spaceship. Right? And you have this brain that's like essentially a, a, an extension of the universe that's embodied within you. Yeah. And you have to take care of this spaceship right? or this organism. Because what Im they say about embodied cognition is that we're here to learn and experience and taste and touch and feel our environment. And learn our environment to give back to creating more. Right. And I think once we stop learning and stop discovering and stop trying to learn another language or try new foods or mm. trying to understand a new country or a new culture or whatever that mm. we're now becoming a stagnant organism and we're not mm. discovering anything anymore mm. we're not moving and we're like why i can't move anymore I, you know i was like well you haven't moved 
in 10 years and now like you're wondering why you can't move and yeah. I was like because you haven't moved yeah there's so much to discover though I mean when you think about the universe I mean it took me a while to realize that we're a dot right here you know I used to think that no, we're a dot right here it's like we're the smallest dot in the, in the yeah. solar system like I mean, the earth is yeah you know yeah. like we're the smallest planet yeah and you see us like next to anything or if you see the milky way yeah. inside the whole galaxy and you're like or like you know what the milky way is part of and you're like the milky way is nothing yeah you yeah. know because it just keeps going so if you look at us in the perspective of that we're, we're like no bigger than a piece of dust on a fingernail well i, I read someplace there's more stars than there's sands on this planet oh really yeah like grains of sand yeah yeah, I can see yeah. that. I mean, because it, it's endless. Yeah. I, I, it just it boggles my mind, Joe. I, I don't understand how we're even sitting here. How this always, yeah. how this happens. Uh, well, there was, because um, I like to, I like deducting everything down as far as I can. Like, that's just kind of like an obsession I have. It's like, how simple can I make something? Yeah. And uh, I was down in Florida for a festival, music festival. And a friend of mine was there, and she's in, um, like pharmaceuticals, she has like a, I think a bachelor's or a master's in um, biology. Okay. I was filling my water up and I was like, it just popped up and I was like, I mean, we're basically just water and electricity anyways, right? And I was like, are we? And I looked at her and she goes, I mean, for the most part, because our, our cells and our, and our right. system is just water and electricity con right. you know, controlling everything. So then by the time I left that weekend, I came up with the four, four elements of human and I said, it's water, electricity, love, and magic. So that's our, our biology is our water and electricity. The world is controlled by love. Okay? Everything in our world is, is the power of love, is infinite. And then the magic piece is because we don't know objectively where we came from, why we're here, or where we're going. Yeah. So without questioning someone's belief, we can just call it magic because we don't truly understand whether it's a being, whether it's math, whether it's like a fluke, whether it's whatever, we don't objectively know that. So without throwing someone's religion under the bus or throwing someone's belief or faith or anything and saying like, you're wrong, we don't yeah. know. We don't know, yeah. So it's, that's why I was like water, it's water, electricity, love and magic. You know, because we know love can control, love is part of all of it. Right. You know, that's why we all, that's why we're here together. Right. There's a there's a there's a there's a connection of love that that we have that brings right. all of us back together right. every time. If we didn't like each other, we wouldn't be here. You know. Yeah. So that was kind of like my my final introduction. <laughs> to it, what did she think of that? I think it's pretty interesting. She liked it, and she it was that kind of our thing we ended the weekend with because it was like right. it was kind of a cool way of just thinking about life. You know, without having to. What, what did you say? Water, electricity, love. Love and magic. Yeah, so it's not it's not saying anybody's right or wrong. Right. So we know love objectively. We know water electricity objectively. But until we someone finally finds out how we got here or why we're here or where we're going or or yeah. how it even happened. Yeah. What do you call that? Yeah. Right. That like, fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. that's why that we left it as magic. Because we don't yeah. know. And nobody's wrong. 
because you can't say someone's wrong because we don't know who's right. <laughs> well, there are some rights and wrongs, though. Aren't there? I mean, as, far as, like how, as far as how we got here? Oh, oh no. no. Right. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay. as far as how we got here, okay. why we're here, where right. we're going, right. or okay. how, I, how yeah, anything I, I happened. Agree. Yeah. Right. We don't know objectively any so, of that. Right. Right. So without saying somebody's wrong and how they and what they believe right. to make them happy, what they believe in their heart, in their love, right. that says this is right, this is wrong, to me. Yeah. But who is a, who are we to judge another person for finding comfort in what they believe is mm. right or wrong? So to to make it kind of silly, like I was driving with my mom, we were coming back, we were going to meet my sister for food, and in our small small little area of Ohio, there's where we were going. You can either go straight to the stop sign or to the to the turn and make a right and end up there, or you can make this veer off to the right, bend around, and end up at the same place. So either you make a right and go straight, or you may go straight and make a right. Okay. And I was going to go, I was going to make a right. My mom's like, where are you going? And I was like, well, I was going to turn here. She goes, why don't you just go straight? And I was like, well, is that, is either way wrong? She goes, I mean, not really, because we're going to get to the same, no matter what. Right. So in this idea that it doesn't matter how you got there, it matters that you started, and it matters that you stayed going until you got to the right. end. Right. Right? But... Who are we to judge whether I turned right or went straight? So who are we to judge if someone says, this is what I believe and it makes me happy inside and gives some sort of peace to the unknown that we don't know how we got here to begin with? Then who am I to be the person that says, you know, because you don't believe what I believe, then you're wrong. And you shouldn't be able to feel comfort for what you believe. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually a saying that I came up with, and it was funny how it kind of um, it tied together what I just what we were talking about about not being not being able to judge somebody for what they are or what they believe or what makes them feel good about themselves or whatever. So I have a saying I come up with is like whatever math makes you feel better. Because it was funny the same night I thought of it, a buddy of mine he was like, "Hey man, like I was doing really good. I haven't smoked. I only had I haven't smoked in four weeks. Smoked cigarettes in four weeks. I was like, that's awesome. He goes, but I had three four weeks ago. And I was like, all right, well that's you know, but you still have gone four weeks without it. He goes, but but wait, he goes, it was four weeks prior to that that I didn't smoke. So I haven't only had three cigarettes in eight weeks. And I was like, whatever math makes you feel better. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, are you happy that you're third place out of 10 or third place out of three or yeah. first place out of four right right because it doesn't really matter right i think what's important though there is it matters in your gut yeah and that's that's the truth like i mean how did you do your best if he did his best trying to not smoke for all that time yeah that's that's good enough right if, if you know he didn't then why you know right and then that's the disciplines can yeah. you change the math by a little right. bit saying yeah. like you know what I'm going to go 12 weeks and only smoke yeah. four, yeah. right? So now you smoked an extra one, but you went an extra four weeks without. Right. So if you look at disciplines and how you can kind of break that apart and make your life a little more simple, is like don't try so hard to where you're overwhelmed. Right. Break it down into tiny little pieces of math and go, well, all right, well, the metric last time was I, I, did, I ran a 5K in... 21 minutes 
and I felt good about myself, but I want to do better. So is running a 5K in 19 and a half minutes make you feel better? Or do you still think you need work, right? So it's really like disciplines don't have to be that hard. They just have to be what makes you happy and makes you want to keep trying. So like there was, um, I was working with a guy with the cube and stuff, and he goes, there's in athletics in regards to the work that I do in here, he goes, there's a ratio of um, a 33% failure rate and a 67% success rate. That way you're still struggling a little bit to, to lose, you, know, you still have to lose a little bit, mm. but you want to win enough times it makes you happy enough to want to keep going. Okay. So that makes, so we're a third of the time we still need to lose. And I think we see that in our world right now with like mm. the, the entitlement or like the right. eighth place trophies. We're not losing right. at all. Right. So we're missing that 30% of yeah. I lost. Well, learning how to get up from failure. That That's too. important. Yeah. So, but I think we'll let's dial into that one next time because I think that'll be a fun one. Uh, okay. We dial more into like the uh, using math for discipline. Okay. You know, because I think that falls into music too, doesn't it, a little bit? Ma- mathematics is very strong in music. Right. No, exactly. So, yeah. well, very good. Well, it's always a pleasure. And, Thank uh, you. We'll see you again in a few weeks. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I look forward to sharing more with you on future episodes. If you need to contact me, you can reach me at anothernewperspective101 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have an awesome day.